Well, if you turn to the next page in the bulletin, there is a text printed from John 11, verses 21 through 27. You can turn there in the Bible if you have one of those, too. We're looking at that this morning. Uh, in John chapter 11, we have this glorious story of uh, two sisters and a brother. That's uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And they are friends of Jesus. They interact with Jesus a few times in the Gospels. Uh, Bill's going to bring this back in just a second. There you go. Uh, They're friends of Jesus. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are. And they're blessed in their relationship with Jesus. Uh, However, because this blessing is in their relationship with Jesus, uh, it, it isn't just a nice, easy, comfortable, happy story from beginning to end. Uh, That's not what it means to be blessed in your relationship with Jesus, to have a story like that. This blessing comes in a strange and terrible way, just as Jesus comes to us in strange and terrible ways. uh, The true story of Jesus is a story of resurrection. The story of our relationship with Jesus is a story of resurrection. As should be obvious, uh, resurrection has this terrible prerequisite, death, right? Death is the necessary condition for resurrection. So a story about resurrection has to include death. Uh, The story of Jesus, the story of the blessing of our relationship with Jesus, it's first a story of death so that it might be a story of resurrection. So earlier in this chapter, um, Jesus hears that his beloved friend Lazarus is sick, uh, even dying. And Jesus does heal those who are sick. We have plenty of examples of that in the Gospels. Uh, But more importantly, in this particular case, he wanted to show us what resurrection means. So, he waits until he knows Lazarus has died before going to visit the family. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 21. Uh, Lazarus's body has been in the tomb for four days, and many people have come to uh, console his sisters. And then Jesus finally arrives. So, uh, let's pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, not only does your son speak your word, He is your word. He is the revelation that we need from you for a relationship with you. So we pray that you would help us to hear your word and to receive him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So Jesus arrives here in the middle of the funeral, really, the funeral for Lazarus. Uh, The sisters are grieving. Others have come to grieve along with them. And this uh, official time of mourning uh, in the ancient world would have lasted uh, for several days. Uh, Funeral, that's what Jesus comes to. Uh, Funerals are times to wrestle with God. Funerals are times to wrestle with God. When confronted with this 
unbearable reality of death, the inescapable reality of death, uh, you can either try to do the impossible, you can try to avoid what has become unavoidable to you, try not to face the reality of death at the funeral, or you can wrestle with God. That's your options. So funerals are times for wrestling with God. Martha wrestles with Jesus here in her grief. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So Jesus only arrived in the middle of the funeral, which ordinarily speaking is too late for a doctor or a healer to help. We all know that. So Martha's wrestling. Maybe what she's saying here, maybe she's uh, looking for just something to say, something to try to make sense of the tragedy, the death of her brother. Just throwing words at the problem. Maybe she's distracting herself from the pain of her loss by talking theology with Jesus, right? Uh, Maybe she means to imply that her brother's death was Jesus's fault. It'd be easy to come to that conclusion. Uh, But that, you know, it's okay now that Jesus is here, he can redeem himself by fixing the situation, by making things right, even now. Uh, Maybe she's thinking of the further implication of that, that if Jesus doesn't fix this problem right now, uh, he must not really be a good Lord. Whatever the case, she's wrestling with Jesus. He invites that. God welcomes that. She's wrestling with Jesus in her grief in a way that is personal to her, and Jesus responds in a way that is personal to her. So when her sister, Mary, comes in just a few verses, um, you know, she says exactly the same words. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But with her, it feels like, it just seems like it's this more primitive lament that she's offering, and Jesus responds to her personally with his own wail of lament, with his own weeping. So, you know, you should go home and read the whole chapter, uh, John 11, uh, even though you're about to hear spoilers about where it goes, about how it ends. Uh, In fact, this is uh, one of those many places in scriptures where spoilers are really helpful, where knowing the end from the beginning helps you to better understand what's happening throughout the story. So, So the end, Jesus goes on to pray and to call Lazarus out of the tomb. And he raises Lazarus from the dead by the power of his word. And he restores him to his family, to his sisters. It's beautiful. He came too late to prevent Lazarus' life from ending in death. But with Jesus, too late is just the beginning of the story. Too late is just the beginning. Resurrection always takes place after too late, after the ending. Jesus knew the true end of this story from the beginning. Go back to the beginning of the chapter. He knew that this was heading toward resurrection ultimately. Uh, he, He knew it while he wept with Mary at the tomb, while he spoke with Martha here. Even when Lazarus was only sick before Lazarus died, he knew this was a story heading toward resurrection, and he deliberately let it all unfold. In this strange and terrible way, he deliberately allowed it to become too late so that he could show us what resurrection means. As he engages with Martha here, he tells her what resurrection means. Uh, He isn't just distracting her from her pain with conversation about theology. He's certainly not offering platitudes like you might hear at funerals. You know, Lazarus is in a better place. You'll see him again someday. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. That's his promise. That's the Lord's promise. This is the word spoken by God in the flesh. 
your brother will rise again. And Martha believes it. Uh, at least she believes some facet of it, right? In verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she's right that the scriptures teach this. The uh, scriptures speak of this resurrection on the last day, which is the day at the end of history, the, the end of the world as we know it, when all those who belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ will be raised from the dead to live with him in the world remade in the new heavens and the new earth and live with him forever. There's going to be this resurrection. So she's right to believe in this. She's right to believe she will see her brother again on that day. But there's something more that Jesus has to say about resurrection to focus her attention, to focus our attention where it really should be. Because he says to her, I am the resurrection. I'm the resurrection of the life. So if you're looking for resurrection as the scriptures speak of it, if you're looking for resurrection uh, the way God offers it, you're looking for God's resurrection, you're not just looking to get your loved ones back someday. If you're looking for resurrection, you're looking for Jesus. It's the most amazing thing Jesus is saying here. He isn't saying, I do resurrection. He's saying, I am resurrection. He isn't just saying, watch me perform the resurrection of Lazarus here. It's really impressive. He's saying the resurrection means me. It means me. When Jesus does the resurrection of Lazarus, it's a sign that points to that greater reality. The resurrection means me, Jesus says, right? A proof of Jesus' claim to be the resurrection. This is one of the several I am statements uh, found in John's gospel. He says it frequently. Jesus says, you know, I am the bread of life. Uh, I am the good shepherd, etc., etc. <clears throat> Whereas he, he's using uh, the same language that God uses in the Old Testament to identify himself. Very specific language. He is identifying himself with God by saying, I am So this man is saying that he's God. This man is saying that he's God. He's saying this, he says it clearly enough so many times uh, in the Gospels that uh, people kill him for it. And all the scriptures attest to this reality so many times. It's one of the absolute fundamentals of our faith. Uh, we might not fully understand how it's possible, but by the love of God, we know that it is true. Jesus is both God and man. And it is as both God and man, that he says he is the resurrection. So what does that mean? Uh, as we've already established, uh, resurrection presupposes death, right? You can't have proper resurrection without first having death. Death entered the world through sin. We chose to rebel against God. We chose to break our relationship with God, and that meant death, right? So death meant the separation of God and human- humanity, Death means separation from God, between, between God and us. There's a separation. That's what death is. Jesus is the union of God and humanity. In himself, in his person. He's God become a man. He's God joined to humanity. He is one person, one person undivided, with two complete and distinct natures, the divine nature and the human nature, in one person. He's the union of God and man in himself. Through our sin, we took the life that God had given us and we turned it toward death. And in himself, Jesus takes death and turns it toward life. Uh, If there's anything we know about death, uh, humanly speaking, is that death is an end. Period. Full stop, no new paragraph, end of story. Death is an end. A person's story never just goes, he died, and then... 
With death, there's no and then. Death does not naturally lead to resurrection, but by his grace, through the reality-making power of his love, Jesus makes death lead to resurrection and new life. He brings about eternal reconciliation between God and man in himself, in his own existence, in his own life and death and resurrection. Jesus died. He came to an end. It was a real end. He was sealed in a tomb. He died, came to a real end, and then. And then his father raised him from the dead in the power of the Holy Spirit. And his resurrection means that God is joined to humanity forever on the other side of death. On the other side of death, in Jesus Christ, God is joined to humanity forever. Resurrection is an impossible outcome of death, but it's real in Christ. Jesus doesn't just do the impossible. He is the impossible. Because of our sin, the resulting death, it was impossible for us to be with God. But Jesus is the union of God and humanity after the death that we deserve to die for our sin. Jesus suffered that death for us on Good Friday so that his resurrection could count for us on Easter Sunday. So now, Jesus is the life of God with humanity after death. He's that never-ending story after the ending already happened. When Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, he wasn't just talking about the end of the world out there in the distant future that day no one knows, right? Jesus was talking about what he means to her, what he means to her sister Mary, what, what he means to Lazarus, what he means to you, to us, this day, right now, he's saying, he is your impossible hope made true, your only hope for a restored relationship with God that you can enjoy both now and forever. He says in uh, verses 25 and 26, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's resurrection. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's life. So you have life with God right now if you believe in Jesus because you're united to God through faith in Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus, even though you die after that, you shall be raised to live with him forever and never to die again. You've got to hold on to what Jesus is saying here. You've got to hold on to this promise. Uh, sometimes I struggle to believe that uh, things like this could be true. Uh, sometimes I have doubts like, you know, maybe I've seriously misunderstood uh, the gospel and there won't really be a resurrection. You know, dead is dead. We have scientific proof of that all around us. Uh, there's no life with God after that. There's no end then to anybody's story after they die, right? So maybe there won't really be a resurrection. Sometimes I doubt that if there is a resurrection that I'm going to be part of that, right? That I'm personally going to be among those who are raised from the dead to enjoy life with God. And all I have to cling to is what the Lord says. The Lord Jesus, who does not lie, says, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And if you still struggle to believe that that could be real, just look at his power to, to raise Lazarus from the dead. He did that. Most importantly, remember the Lord's own resurrection. His own resurrection. Uh, his resurrection is the ground and the guarantee of our resurrection. He says it very simply uh, later in John's gospel in chapter 14. He says, because I live, you also will live. That's as 
short and sweet as you could like it. Because I live, you also will live. Jesus has united God and humanity in his own person beyond his grave. He's done that. He's accomplished it through his resurrection. And through our union with him by faith, our resurrection is just as sure as his, his resurrection. Right? His resurrection has already happened. So he says our resurrection is as good as done. In a sense, already happened. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15. It's a chapter we usually talk about around Easter time. He says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is the will of God. This is the plan of God. This is how salvation works. Whatever is true of Jesus in his relationship with God by his grace, will be true of all of those who belong to him. All who believe in him, all who trust in him to be the resurrection of our life with God. That kind of salvation where whatever's true of Jesus in his relationship with God is true of us. That kind of salvation is talked about throughout the scriptures. For example, in our Old Testament reading that Ransom read from 1 Kings 17, where the prophet Elijah takes the widow's dead son and uh, brings him back to life. The prophet laid the boy on his own bed put him on his own bed in his own place for sleeping and rising again. The place where he had done that every, every night and every morning, where he lays down and then gets up again. Right? And he stretched himself out over the boy three times as if to say, let my own life come into the boy to revive him. Let this boy get up from my bed just like I did when I woke up this morning. Jesus rose from the dead walked out of his tomb that morning. And through our union with him, through baptism into his death and resurrection, he has placed his everlasting life in us through his spirit so that we will wake up from the dead just like he did. His promise doesn't spare us from death. Sorry if that was your hope. His promise does not spare us from death. His promise is resurrection. He is our resurrection. So the story of Martha and Mary and Lazarus is first a story of death so that it can be a story of resurrection. With Jesus, the story of your life will include death so that you can know him as your resurrection, so that you can know that resurrection means Jesus. Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? And that's a question that obviously he's asking us. Will you only believe what your senses tell you about death? Or what science says about death. Or will you believe the word of the Lord and the reality-making power of his love? So our saying yes in response to Jesus, you know, do you believe this? Yes. Our saying yes in response to Jesus might sound pretty weak, pretty pitiful, compared to the resounding yes that he has said to us first in his resurrection. He said yes to us. Will you say yes back to him? He invites us to respond to the truth of what he says, to the glorious truth of who he is. 
So we respond. With Martha, we confess him to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. We proclaim with Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin's been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. We publicly profess uh, as gospel truths of the highest priority, as essential articles of our faith, that on the third day he rose again from the dead. And that we believe in the resurrection of the dead. And that means us, because of him. And we cheerfully sing, Jesus lives, and so shall I, as we're going to in a few minutes. And we resolutely sing, sometimes fiercely, there ain't no grave can hold my body down. And sometimes we barely sing songs like these with weak faith. But we still trust that the resurrection and the promise of Jesus is not weak, even if my faith is weak. And we trust for the resurrection of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are dead or dying. And we look forward to the never-ending story after the end, when we're all restored to each other, when we enter the unobscured presence of the Father, when we're filled with the Spirit beyond measure, when we, when we get Jesus, who is himself the resurrection forever. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that even though there is a terrible finality about death, an inescapable finality about death, because of Jesus, death does not have the final word in our relationship with you. The risen Lord Jesus has the final word, and that word is eternal life. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you'd help us to live with faith, hope, and love that are born out of the power of Christ's own resurrection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.